Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Hello everybody, I'm John Hindorf and this is another Radio Show Limited Network's Real World Road Test. Real World Road Tests. Now before we get down to the nitty gritty about the car that I've been driving most recently, first uh, a little bit of education I hope on the subject of platform sharing. Not as some of you might think, 1980s footwear being passed around your dance group. No, no, this is a way whereby sometimes quite large car companies can keep down their development costs and get a product to market perhaps a little quicker, more efficiently and certainly uh, with less of their own investment going into it. Now, these manufacturers who are making these partnerships and sharing the platforms, platforms being the chassis and underpinnings of a car, may sometimes be part of the same group. One thinks particularly of all of the Volkswagen, Audi groups, Seat and Porsche. All of those manufacturers have their own identity, but because they're part of a group, they share components and even whole floor pans and chassis. But platform sharing goes much further than that to manufacturers who perhaps on the outside might seem slightly odd bedfellows. But if it works for them... Does it work for us as the consumer? Well, the car in front of me is one of these platform shares. About a year ago, I was running round in a white MX-5 1.5 injection. The car in front of me now is its very close cousin, if not brother or sister, the Fiat 124 Spider. Now, let me say straight away, I'm not going to be directly comparing this car with the MX-5 for reasons that will become obvious as we go through the test. But you can't ignore that the cars are built on the same chassis and share an awful lot of the same components. The question for me with this 124 Spider is, has it got enough of its own Fiat DNA to make it stand alone from the MX-5? You can listen to the MX-5 real-world road test by going back in our archive. I'll not dwell on that here. But let's start with the styling of the new Fiat 124 Spider. It is dramatic to me, particularly from the front end of the car. And of course it evokes the heritage of the 124 Spiders from the past. Almost cat-sized headlamps with uh, LED running lights around them fog lights, the egg crate style trapezoidal grille, big Fiat badge right in the middle and the streaks in the bonnets, certainly for me making me reminiscent of the old Fiat twin cams that used to have the little bulge in the bonnet so the cam cover could clear it. There's two here so it does make it symmetrical but my goodness me, does it look impressive from the front. It's a small-ish car that has big car pretensions in its styling and it's very cleverly done the way that the uh, curves of the bonnet are 
convex, but they look concave in light. It's a very clever styling tweak. Slightly flared wheel arches with what is now a very common flattened edge. That seems to be uh, very much in vogue at the moment. Raked, steeply raked air pillars for the windscreen, finished in uh, brushed aluminium or metal on this Lusso Plus version. Body-coloured door mirrors. And then down the back, this swoosh up over the door handle that gives the car hips, something that you see straight away when you look in the door mirrors to a slightly raised rear deck squared off not quite a cam tail of years gone by but very maserati like lights with body color inserts here small spoiler little radio aerial and again a big fiat badge on the flat part of the boot deck now let's talk about that just luggage area pops up this is the Lusso Plus so it has got proximity keys not the biggest of openings here but you can get equipment into it you can get cases into it a couple of carry-ons at least maybe a little bit of more which is just as well actually because there's not an awful lot of storage space inside uh, it's carpeted and it has a, a deepish well uh, down here uh, it does mean that you are uh, bereft of uh, any spare wheel but it does come with some form and some bits and pieces to get you on your way if you really need to if you suffer the ignominy of a puncture um, the best thing about that boot for my view is that it doesn't change when you put the soft top down so the car on the outside is a distinctively Italianate and Fiat yes it is it absolutely is and those grown-up pretensions that I talked about very much coming through in every line even these little side skirts in between the wheels it somehow manages to look bigger well it is actually bigger because when I checked the dimensions it's slightly longer and slightly wider than the Mazda MX-5 it it just has a little bit of a different presence shall we say let's walk around and open the door and I'm going to do something that I've done very seldom here is get in the car and leave the roof for the moment in its uh, up position well sitting in here it's very clear having experienced the MX-5 that the interior uh, has come from the same Hiroshima uh, factory that's where all of these Fiat's are put together but there's some very, very nice touches in here. I was impressed by the cabin of the MX-5 and all the things I liked on that are present here with a few plus points as well, or at least differences. Uh, there's far less painted metal in here than there was in the MX-5. A nice transfer of the tan leather, which is on the heated seat and very comfortable they are too, to the dashboard and a piece of piano black trim uh, on the centre of the dash. Also the top of the doors, all right, it's uh, plastic or vinyl, but that again was painted metal uh, on the other car and tan inserts on the highly sculpted doors as well 
uh, to give you a little bit more elbow room. Not sure how they've done this, but there appears to be a little bit more elbow and shoulder room inside this car. The body panels, as I said, do make the car a little bit longer and wider. The car is slightly heavier as well than the MX-5. Everything else that works so well from the MX-5, the nicely uh, proportioned dash, the eyeball vents, the centre... Uh, the centre rev counter and a fabulous steering wheel, all present and correct here. Again, just in case you'd forgotten, there's a big Fiat shield in the middle of the steering wheel. Headrests that are equipped with speakers so that uh, you can hear, hear your music uh, and B, just as I close the door again there, you'll hear the window go back up. Um, also, the Bluetooth for your smartphone comes through there as well. Criticisms on the inside. Uh, well, I'm just under six foot. Uh, I can find myself a nice driving position with a steering wheel that does adjust. Anybody slightly over six foot might be struggling a little bit. I don't have the seat uh, quite as far back as I know some people do, uh, but it does go uh, pretty far down. I do still feel like I'm sitting on the car rather than in it within a small sports car. That sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? Um, but the real thing that is missing here is the lack of internal space for cubbies. There's a little almost uh, phone size, but not quite big enough for a phone in the middle here in the centre console. I find I slip my phone in front of the gear lever here in a neatly, uh, neatly sized cubby hole there. But there are no door pockets. There is no glove box. Um, there is a central mounted area between the seats, which is where you'll find the owner's manual. And you can stick a couple of woolly hats in there and a scarf which is what I do behind the seats as well if you pull them forward there's a couple of places there that you can hide stuff but that's not easy to get to because you've got to pull the seats forward each time and with the hood up you can actually put some bits and pieces behind the wind guard which is between the two headrests but of course at that point then you can't put anything um, you can't put the hood down so one or two more storage areas uh, would be nice but you know what i'm saying that i haven't really missed it um i've found ways around it things get tucked down by the seats or under the seats and i've kind of made it work now about the roof no electrics on this roof so up click down click and that's it the roof was down were you counting there okay i'll put it back up again ready three two one and go i don't know five seconds if that and that is a pram top roof fully lined on the interior with a semi-hard panel in the roof it folds straight down behind the driver's head you don't have to move it can be done whilst you're moving relatively slowly up to a say 25 30 miles an hour i would say you'd be okay um, and it's up and down literally in seconds without even having to unfasten the seat belt the only slight problem is I'm now sitting with the side windows halfway down. They automatically pop down when you unclip the roof and start to fold it down. What they don't do, and this was the same on the MX-5, they don't then go back up again. So if you've turned the engine off when you've come to a halt and you put the roof back up, you've then got to put the ignition back on again, which is what I will do now, and make sure that you've got power to the window switches and once you've done that and got the ignition lights on, 
you can turn the uh, you can turn the windows back up again you know what though I can live with it. It just means what you tend to do is put the roof off before you turn the engine off. Handbrake right next uh, to the gear lever in the centre side of things. A driving position, as I said, possibly a little bit too high for my liking, but it's pretty good. Drive it with the roof down. Yeah, pretty much as much as you can. Because unless it's pouring down with rain or you're standing still, you're going to want to drive this car with the roof down because it is such a great car. Very little wind around the back of the neck thanks to side windows that go beyond your shoulders and a, a little wind deflector in between those headrests. This is a lovely place to sit in and looking out over a bonnet which... With those flutes and with that styling and with the wings, the fenders that come up and over, it's all curves and that bonnet looks like it goes on forever. It's a really nice place to sit and look out on and behind, if I look to the right or the left, I can see those hips as I described them before, the rear wheel arches and just see the back of the car. Nice and easy car to park as well. You can see the edges of it, although this one being the top of the range does have rear parking sensors and a rear parking camera. Very nicely equipped and a lovely place to be. A lovely place to be for longish journeys too. But of course, any small sports car is not just about how it looks and how it feels inside. It's about how it drives and we'll be on the road next with the Fiat 124 Spider 1.4 Turbo. Real World Road Tests. So here we are then out on the road in the Fiat 124 Spider. Roof down out in the countryside with the sights and smells of course you can tell the grass has just been cut round here because I can smell it on the road a small sports car has to be I think something that gives you a little bit of a smile attracts attention uh, and ultimately is fun to drive and the 124 ticks all of those boxes Maybe it's because people haven't seen it very often, but it certainly attracts attention. And in the uh, white colour with the silver multi-sport wheels that this car has, uh, it cuts a dash. It makes you want to keep it clean as well, in fairness. The aero clearly works very well at the back because it gets very dirty very quickly when it's been raining, which fortunately over the time that uh, I've had this one too for hasn't been an awful lot, which means that of the... 2,500 miles plus that I've done in this car, I would think all bar a very small handful of them have been done with the roof down and why not when it's such a nice place to be in the cabin, the heated seats are great I don't think I've ever had them above number 2 because number 3 you could do your toast on in the morning the long side windows and the built in wind deflector between the two headrests I mean, it's a very pleasant place to be. All right, I have a scarf and a woolly hat just in case. But I've driven this car without scarf and woolly hat right down to almost freezing point with the roof down with uh, just a, a mesh on over the top of a shirt. In town, it's nippy. The 1.4 engine with its turbocharger produces just on 140 horsepower, which is not a huge amount, but it's certainly enough and makes the car interesting to drive. It's got enough torque, you've just got to be careful pulling away in 
uh, from low speed in second you might want to sometimes go down to first rather than hold it in second and the same in third coming off roundabouts but as soon as the road opens out you can find yourself making progress without having to shift through the gearbox all the time looking for the power although that said the gearbox action itself on this short stubby gear lever is absolutely gorgeous and the aluminium and leather clad gear lever is really nice place to have your left hand in this right hand drive car the steering wheel nice thick all the controls in exactly the right place uh, turn off the traction control down by my right knee uh, the pedals beautifully positioned for healing and towing interestingly the car sounds a little more roty with the roof up I think it's about the first time I've ever said that of a convertible. You normally put the roof down and hear the engine more. Something about the acoustics of this Fiat 124 means that you actually don't hear the little rorty exhaust. You hear it much more when you're behind the car following it or when you've got the, the roof up. The driving experience I like. It's a car that almost has two distinct personalities. You can cruise in it. It is a baby Grand Tourer, in fact. You can cruise in it. You feel that you don't have to charge everywhere. That you can make serene progress as well as slightly quicker. When you lean on the car, in fairness, there is a a little bit of flex in the body. Turning into corners. This is a much more push-on into light understeer car than the Mazda on which it is sharing its platform uh, that was a car that you could easily provoke oversteer it's not so easy to do that on the 124 it's got an awful lot of grip at the back now there isn't a Bath version with the same engine slightly remapped and with a different turbocharger which has 30 more horsepower and that may change the handling characteristics a little bit but frankly I don't mind I think it's a very safe car to drive it's not the type of car that you want to hang the back end out and do your Tokyo drift style driving in and provoke it round roundabouts it, it just doesn't come across like that it is a car that you could jump into and drive very long distances comfortably that comes back to that baby Grand Tourer idea that I was talking about earlier on the interesting thing for me is that although this is based on the same chassis as the MX-5, the bodywork and particularly the engine give it a completely different character to the MX-5. I'm not saying better or worse, I'm just saying different. With regard to that driving style, I wanted to drive the Mazda pretty much on the ragged edge all the time. It felt like that. It felt like it was saying, come on, push on, push on. Whereas the Fiat is saying, relax, take your time if you want to, but if you want to get a bit of a wiggle on, you can. It feels a bit more grown up in some respects, no, in a lot of respects actually, and it's a car that as a 50-something overweight bloke, I don't feel as though I have to make excuses for driving quite as much as perhaps I did with the MX-5. Interestingly as well, a lot of the people who've talked to me about this car when I've been out and about have been over 35 and looked at this car with envious eyes, to be honest. 
and I'm not surprised it's a lovely package I just like that gearbox as well so all in all the car ticks all the right boxes for a small sports car it's relatively petite it's nimble its proportions mean you can park it easily it has all the good things that you'd expect of a car that is based on such a well sorted platform as the mx5 i don't think it's fair to really compare it with the mx5 as i know many people have done because they are so different i really can't understand people who say that they are just the same cars with different badges because that's not what i've found it is that very I mean, it's the difference between the Japanese and the Italian. There's maybe just a little bit more flair with the Fiat. There's certainly a little more style in the bodywork, to my eyes at least. But it's that character. It's the way you want to drive it. It's the way that it makes you feel when you drive it. Totally different between the two cars. Now, I started off this real-world road test talking about platform sharing and why it's good for manufacturers that they can share the development cost and get product to market as quickly as they do nowadays. But it's also good for us consumers because whichever one of these two cars you might decide to choose, what it's giving us consumers is extra choice in this segment. And bear in mind you're talking about two very, very different sports cars that are very capable in what they do that are the right side of £20,000 to put on the road for the base models. Now, that's got to be good for us as consumers, as people who like to drive in this respect platform sharing really really works and when you're talking about giving that extra variety in this segment of the marketplace I think it's a great thing don't ask me to choose which one is better because I can't they do very different things they look different they perform differently enough to consider them as individual cars And that really is the thing that I come away with from this Fiat 124, is that it has its own character and capabilities. And I think Fiat have done a really good job with this and more power to them for doing it. The other thing is that on the Bluetooth, whenever I want, with the roof down on a relatively nice early spring day, I can just hit the Bluetooth music on the phone and get this. And the noise of the exhaust. Real-world road tests. So that was our real-world road test on the Fiat 124 Spider. 1.4 turbo, Lusso Plus in terms of the trim level. I've just been listening back to that as I've been putting this show together. And a few thoughts come to me now that the car is gone. First of all, it's easy to dismiss cars like the Fiat 124 and perhaps even the 124 specifically is a bit of a weekend car that's not the case nearly 2,700 miles under the very lovely wheels of that Fiat whilst we had it in our company and it was everything it was shopping, it was hospital visits it was going to the airport and leaving it at the airport car parking so that meant luggage in the back And also, 
just general driving around, popping around the corner to get the takeaway, see rallies, etc. What it proved to me is it's very possible to use the Fiat 124 Spider as an everyday car. Would you have to make some slight changes? Well, yes, of course, because first of all, it's only a two-seater, and second of all, you haven't got unlimited luggage space. But for doing a week shop, not a problem at all. The other thing that really came to me was how much the car became a part of the family. And that's very much down to the character of the car and the personality of the car. Words I use quite a lot in the road test to distinguish it from its close cousin, the Mazda MX-5. What I didn't realise was how much you begin to get yourself associated with those character traits and personality traits of a, of a car like the Fiat. It's undoubtedly something that could be used as everyday transport, but what it does do, and this is absolutely key, is it transforms even the most mundane journey, just with the five seconds or so of getting the roof down, into something of an occasion and something that will make you smile. Whether it's just round the corner or a boring motorway drive, the wind in your hair, the stereo or the DAB radio on, and it's completely different. You look at the journey differently, even start looking forward to some of those journeys that perhaps you might have been slightly dreading in a car that was, let's be honest, more mundane than the 124 Spider. Been so taken by that car that I've even started looking at the original Spiders, and in doing that, for around about the same price, you could buy a, a nice condition. 1970s car with that same hexagonal egg crate grille, the cut off tail with the trapezoidal head uh, rear lights at the back but it wouldn't have all the bells and whistles of the new one, the heated seats the reliability 40 miles to the gallon by the way in UK gallons in the time that we've had the car and that ranges from long motorway drives with cruise control on to whizzing around in short journeys 5 miles here, 10 miles there, 20 miles to somewhere else extraordinary and it feels well put together you have which you don't do in some classic cars the idea that you're going to get where you're going to that was never even in the back of my mind and yet you could just drop the roof down and feel at one with the driving itself and after all Isn't that what little sports cars are meant to do? To bring you back to the pleasure of driving, not just from going to A to B, which you certainly could do in the fair, but just for the fun of it. And I've found myself taking the back roads on the way home and making the journey slightly longer and maybe just sitting for a little bit too long in those lovely tan leather seats whilst I was waiting for the turbo to spin back down and put the roof back up before I put the car, turned the car off and, if you like, put it to bed. And that's the sort of terms that you begin to talk about the 124. And that, to me, is the absolute essence of a car. It gets under your skin. It makes friends with you. You want to make friends with it. And that, to me, is a great thing 
that personality, that character that the 124 Spider has in spades. 140 horsepower, more than enough. More than enough to keep you interested. Bet the Abarth with 170 is a bit of a beast. So well done, Fiat, for allowing us to have a car like the 124 Spider and for making it your own. And after all, who doesn't love a little bit of Italian in your life? Another real-world road test. Check out more at RadioLeMond.com.